Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. A new week of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us. Wherever you're tuned in this afternoon, we're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Corps Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Bob Kelly and Luke Hogang is here today, and uh, we're glad you're with us as well. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour. Proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics. It's just a great place to cater your next baseball weekend. Uh, Dickies would be the perfect place for you to call. All right. Every Monday, we are joined by baseball coach Scott Berry. His Golden Eagles go two and two uh, in the, I guess you could say, the second week of the season. Uh, we want to review those games and then get the guys involved. So, Coach, uh, first of all, thanks as always for coming on. Let's, uh, let's go back to Tuesday night. It's a night that everything seemed to go right for the Golden Eagles. As you guys uh, knock off uh, UNO twelve to nothing, all, you know, and almost a perfect performance uh, by your team on Tuesday night. It really was in all phases, you know, offensively, on the mound, defensively. There, there just wasn't any flaws at all on that night. And uh, you know, anytime you throw a shutout, you you stand a really good chance to win, unless there's a tie ball game, and and that's the way it ends. So, uh, but our guys showed up, Billy. Odom, boy, he pitched fantastic going five innings and striking out nine. The bullpen performed flawlessly as well. And offensively, you know, we uh, we swung the bat very well, put up 12 runs on 14 hits, uh, still left 10 guys on, and, and we'll get into that in just a little bit, but, you know, more than what we'd like. But, you know, at the end of the day, played really good defensively, made made a couple of nice plays uh, out there in the field behind some really good pitching and offense uh, against UNO on Tuesday. Right. Then uh, Illinois comes into town. Nobody really knew much about them, knew they were from the Big Ten, big conference, and uh, they, were just, they were a hard-hitting baseball team. And, uh, you know, our ace uh, starts out Friday night. Uh, Tanner gets a hit for five runs, uh, gives up six hits. Walks one and fans four. It's not. It's not the usual outing for Tanner Hall. Fair to say. Yeah, uh, not at all. You know, and honestly, I mean, the competitive side was there, and you'll always have that show up, and everybody kind of has an off night uh, in anything, and that we do. And certainly, I think uh, you know his was just a little bit off. He didn't really have the action on his ball that we've are accustomed to seeing. Uh, his pitch count got up there really high. I mean, he was. 40-some pitches after two innings, which is uncharacteristic of him. Tip your hat to Illinois. They had a great plan, uh, you know, coming off from 
a two and two weekend. What they opened up down in uh, Wake Forest, losing two to Wake Forest and, and beating Youngstown State twice. And talking to their third baseman uh, over the weekend, great great young man there for Illinois. He was just telling me about Wake Forest. He said, you know, that that was the best staff that he's ever seen. They were really really good. So. Uh, you know, they made some adjustments and came in here and, and certainly uh, on Friday night uh, showed those adjustments and, and beating us 13-5 to on that first one. Coach, it seemed to me that all three uh, starters over the weekend, I thought, I thought they all pitched pretty well. That's just a, a fan's perspective. But, but all three did get, did get big pitch counts early in the game. And it seemed to me Sunday the, the zone was pretty, was pretty, pretty tight. But uh, – that seemed to that seemed to plague our starters a little bit this weekend. A lot of pitches uh, in the early innings of the game. Is that a fair observation? Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, both you know, all three of our guys, their their numbers got up there on pitch counts too high, and on Friday and Sunday was kind of the same scenario with us offensively. Their their starters, their pitch counts were really low. Half of what ours were after each Correct. inning, and we were finally. There in the uh, in the in the fourth inning on Friday night to run their guy Gowan's pitch count up. We actually got him on 24 pitches in the uh, in the fourth inning, and or I'm sorry, in the third inning. And in the fourth inning, I think we were able to get him up to 28 pitches. So, you know, we were uh, it seemed like in a hurry to get our bats over with. I mean, they were pounding the zone with a fastball. I mean, they were they were filling it up uh, pretty good, you know, there early on, but. Uh, their pitch counts weren't where ours were, and and I think that was a big difference there. Yeah, well, certainly everybody got their money's worth Saturday for five and a quarter hours, one of the longest uh, baseball games I can remember. I, it took me all the way back to that Houston game years ago, and uh, and Brandon that that went on all night. But I heard you say, uh, I heard you say Sunday morning, you, you described the Saturday game, the Golden Eagles win that. Of course, fourteen to thirteen in the eleventh inning. But you described it as a really sloppy baseball game by both squads. It was. I mean, it was tremendous sloppy, and it was all. It was both sides on the mound. Uh, I mean, they were just walks. I think there were twenty-four walks in the game between the two teams. There were nineteen pitchers that were used. Um, you know, nobody, nobody staff seemed to show up that day, and, and it created that over five-hour game. I looked up. We're in the 10th inning and we're at almost five hours. And I was like, right. I mean, we're only in one extra inning. How could this be five hours? But when you have 19 pitchers that go to the mound and you got 24 walks, certainly that's going to make for a long game. So it was, it was sloppy from that end offensively, you know, man, both teams just slugged it out. And I was really proud of our offense. We scored in eight of the 11 innings. Six of those eight innings came after the uh, after Illinois had scored, so you know it's not like we laid down. We 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 were able to take the momentum back, and that's what we talked about coming out of Friday night's game about the understanding momentum and reiterating what it means to keep it. If you lose it, to get it back, and we certainly saw that on Saturday. That played out the whole game with with both teams exchanging leads or coming back and tying it till eventually we were able to, to walk it off with Pato's single there in the 11th inning but then then on Sunday we get behind early and and never were able to get that momentum back right Sunday uh Illinois uh, has a huge sixth inning 
They score seven runs, eight consecutive hits, including uh, six extra base hits. Both teams leave 25 runners stranded, and, and that's something I do want to get with you before we run out of time in this segment. Uh, one big difference I think I saw all weekend was that Illinois did a really good job of, of, of getting two out hits when people were on base. The Golden Eagles had a lot of people on base, did not get those hits with two outs, and ended up leaving 48 runners stranded in three games. That's an extraordinary number, isn't it, Coach? It is. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's two out hits. Are, those are break, uh, backbreakers for the defense, and we talk about them all the time. And Man, it just we are right there one one pitch away from being out of trouble. And, and then uh, we saw that in the first inning yesterday. I mean, Nico right. goes top of the first. He goes strikeout, strikeout. Then three-hole hitter who, who hit all weekend, base hit the right field. Then we go back-to-back walks to load the bases. And we're in a two two-strike situation. Kid gets a base hit, and they score two runs. And, right. you know, you're you're right there one pitch away from getting out of it and, and really creating that momentum. But they capitalized on it, uh, the walks, and uh, got the base hit, and they're up two. But, you know, I think you look at the uh, – there were, there were four innings, four half innings in that game yesterday that, that proved to be the difference, however you want to look at it. For us on uh, on defense, it was the first inning and obviously the sixth inning giving up the seven runs with both innings giving up a total of nine runs. But offensively, it was the second inning. We had runners at first and second and one out and weren't able to scratch for a run. And, and we talk about momentum and getting it back. Certainly we missed on that opportunity, so that gave them and let them keep the momentum. And then in the fourth inning, Reese Ewing leads off with a double. And then we go three straight outs uh, to not scratch there. You know, if, if, if at any point, even if one of those runs score in either of those innings, it's a two to one. And now we're creating doubt in Illinois. But, you know, that momentum just kept building. Of course, the sixth inning, as you alluded to, eight straight hits. And, uh, and, and I think five of those were extra base hits, uh, three, three doubles and two, two triples in there. And it was like it just, you couldn't get it. It was a domino effect and it just kept, one hit after another, and so uh, we 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 tried to get ourselves back in it, but we'd already dug ourselves too big of a hole down nine runs. You won the rest of the game four to nothing, and and there were a couple innings there where, where people are on base with two outs, and a hit I think gets you right back in the ball game, but uh, just unable unable to get those hits uh, with two outs. Okay, so the right. the Golden Eagles go two and two. We're going to come back. The guys are going to get involved. A lot of baseball. Obviously left, and a tough week ahead for Southern Miss as well. We'll have more with head baseball coach Scott Berry right after this. I want to remind you to listen to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Course Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We'll be back with more with head coach Scott Berry in just a moment.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, we want to thank Miss Kathleen at the Campus Book Mart for all she does. She's a great, great lady. Coach Barry will attest to that. And uh, she's open seven days a week. She never quits working. Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street. You can also shop online at campusbookmart.net. Also want to thank Jana King, uh, the king of clean. Jana King team has been working in the Pine Belt for 35 years, cleaning work, education, medical, eatery, stadiums, and places of worship. You can go to JanaKingCleans.com. Another tough week ahead for the Golden Eagles, Mississippi State tomorrow night, the Dallas Baptist this weekend. Uh, but first, let's get the guys in here. Luke, uh, get on get on the air with Coach Barry here about the Illinois and all things baseball. Coach, uh, you know, it, it happens where, you know, a game gets out of hand or you got to throw guys, you know, into, uh, into you know, the, their first college appearance. This weekend, though, it did allow a lot of guys, especially on the pitching side, to, to be able to get their first appearance. And, you know, how do you, how do you talk to those guys after the fact? You know, it's a, it's a three-game series that we didn't win. Uh, some of them gave up runs. Some of them walked. Uh, but, but they were able to at least get their feet wet in college baseball. Yeah, I mean, just moving forward, Luke, I mean, you being as an athlete, you understand failure and success and how you have to apply it to the next opportunity. And I think those that have experienced that success, then they need to be able to take that confidence into the next uh, next appearance that they have. And those that have failure, they need to understand what it was. You know, probably more than anything, it was on the mental side than it was on the physical side. So, uh, you know, they have to make those adjustments mentally and have to understand this is the same game that they've been playing prior to coming to this level and that they need to go ahead and, and trust themselves and go out there and they'll get another opportunity. But, you know, we knew going into this year there were so many unknowns on the pitching staff and, and not, I mean, I don't want to sit here and, and sound like an excuse at all, uh, but it's reality losing five quality arms out of that bullpen last year all drafted uh, was something and it happening so late in the summer not being able to account have a crystal ball knowing that they were, that was going to happen and you were going to lose them and just everything uh, just doesn't allow you to to really go out and get what you have a chance to, to replace with and not that these guys aren't capable of doing it but the unknowns are still there, you know, and, and from one outing to the next, you know, you don't know if you're going to get the consistency that, that you need. And, and a lot of these guys are new at this level, and it's going to take some time. There's going to be some growing pains with it. I knew that. I knew that the first four games that we pitched at a level that we probably weren't going to maintain that level, in all honesty. I mean, it was uh, the, the ERA through four games was 0.50, you know, and now it's it's over four. You know, you're sitting there with an ERA now uh, of four-something. So, you know, Illinois exposed that. Very good hitting club. You know, I felt like, obviously, they were much better than, than Liberty, and I think Liberty's going to be a good club. We pitched very, very well there. Uh, but there was a big difference in those offenses. And we moving forward, we've got to continue to encourage our guys and stress to our guys the, the ability to go out and compete Lock in, stay focused, you know, don't get caught up in, in how big this game is, minimize everything, and, and bring your focus into to what your job is. 
What's uh, what's been your message? Continue to be your message, you know, to some of your your leaders, you know, your three four hitters, Peto Sarge. They started off, you know, fairly cool and uh, feel confident those guys will bounce back. When when you have guys that don't start the season like they like everybody knows they can, what's your message to them? You just got to keep grinding. I mean, it's they have. It's not like they haven't had success at this level before. They all have. I mean, you know, Christopher Sargent, for example. I mean, he's hitting one eleven. Uh, you know, he's he's got to cut the strikeouts down. He's striking out one out of every three at bats, and you know, he's a big part of our offense. It's not like he's not going to strike out, but you know, we're used to his power numbers being where they are. And he doesn't have an extra base hit on the year, and and it's showing up. You know, and we've been out home in seven to four. Uh, you know, and, and all this has been at our park. So we've got to start doing a better job offensively, uh, particularly like what Bob had mentioned before with runners on base. That hadn't been the problem of getting them on. It's getting them in. And we've got to have those guys in those situations or in those moments step up and get those hits like, like Illinois got against us this weekend. Coach Barry, you go into the season with the, with kind of the, the mental lineup card you know, that you think you're going to fill out day one. It's only weekend two of the season. How much, How much? barring injuries, of course, do you think that that batting order, et cetera, will, will change as the season goes on, if at all? Oh, I don't think it'll change much. I mean, the guys that, that, are, the, that are still haven't seen action in the game, as my job is, is I have to be able to validate whether they're going to get enough at-bats during the year to warrant burning a year. And, and that becomes a real, real hard thing to do. You know, this isn't football where you have four games, um, and you can still redshirt. You know, ours is you see one pitch, you're implementing the game at, at any point as a pinch runner. That is a one year of eligibility. And the last thing I want to do is cost a kid a year of eligibility, uh, where, where he only had 10 or 15 bats because I'm, I'm mad because somebody's not producing the lineup and I need jerk and I put him in there. I've got to, I've got to be able to, to manage the big picture here with us. You know, we return a lot of offense from, from last year, uh, you know, a team that went pretty, pretty deep into the season, obviously, and coupled with the best staff that I've ever been a part of. But, you know, right now, I mean, Kelly, we're hitting 277. Problem is we're just not getting people in, you know, when we're averaging 11 point, I think it's 11.4 uh, left on base a game. And that's, you know, just entirely, entirely too many. But on the same hand, you've got to get them on base before you can never get them in. So that hadn't been the problem. We've got to be able to step up and deliver in that situation when we do get them on. Yeah, it does seem a little bit more liberal, the football rules, as far as eligibility goes, uh, yeah, you know, sure. rather rather than, than baseball. But but it looks like the trend of college baseball, Coach Barry, is going to be to tighter strike zones. And I, this is just me talking. I'm not sure that that's if, – if they do get tighter, I'm not sure that that's a good thing. Um, I, I kind of compare it to free throws in, in basketball. I don't think your average fan pays to see things get so tight that it's almost humanly impossible to you know throw strikes every time up. What say you? Well, you know, I think – the the rules are all now leaning towards speed up the game, right? And and, right. and tight strike zones aren't necessarily speeding up the game. Hundred percent. They're going to have a tendency to low, uh, you know, to slow the game down because there's going to be more walks. Agreed. There's going to be longer innings. So you know, I think they're kind of defeating their purpose. And and I think you know they don't. I don't really know what they think they want. In all honesty, I think 
Uh, you know, the, the speed-up rules, it is what it is. I mean, we have to adjust to it. We have to go. I think there were two of them called this weekend in the three games, but the four prior, there was not one violation called. Uh, so, you know, I think as as we continue to get in the season, people are going to be able to adjust to that uh, a lot better, and you're probably going to see less of it called, and, and it, it probably will. But then now you have replay. Replay seems like it takes forever right. to get them back on the field. So, you know, I think everything that is uh, – there's a lot of countering in what they're trying to achieve with these shorter games. Well, that was going to be my next question to you, Coach, about replay. God, it just struck me that – the simplest plays were challenged, you know, at times by Illinois, whether the guy's out at first base. And it just seems to stop all the momentum in the game. Your thought about replays, and if you can clarify for our listeners in the last couple of minutes, what is the rule regarding that? How many times can a team in a game ask for a replay? Okay, I'll tell you that first. You have two challenges through the course of a game. Uh, last year, it used to be two challenges up through the seventh inning. And then the eighth and ninth inning, uh, it was on the umpires, which they are very, very nice to, to challenge. You know, if they feel like it, it's close enough and you're like, hey, man, I think we need to challenge that, then they'll challenge it. I mean, they're fine. I think everybody's in it to get the call right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but if you win a challenge, then you you don't lose that challenge. So. Okay. I think yesterday I challenged one time, I lost it, so I had one more challenge with that. But but if I had won the challenge, then I, I still had my two challenges. So that that's where it is. As far as the replay goes in itself, I think it's designed to get the plays right. And and when it's all said and done, that's what I want. I want it I want to make sure that the outcome of the game isn't by somebody you know, in favor of somebody else on the road, that we can at least challenge it and we bring it back to where there's a there's a fair chance to win, right. you know, whoever it is. So I don't mind it. I just think that they take a long time to really try to figure it out. Now, what's going to be the inconsistency is from venue to venue, how good is the quality of their cameras and their angles that they can see the, the plays and properly make the right call. Because it has to be clearly uh, different than what they saw to change the call. Yeah, you'd be in favor of just speeding up the process. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, if they if they could do that, I mean, I uh, and I don't know how they would do that. I mean, that was but but yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of these challenges that are taking a long time. You're right to uh, to do. But I, I'm sure that in their mind, they are wanting to get that call 100. percent uh, right, and and that's what they're supposed to do. All right, Coach. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Sorry, Kelly hijacked your M and M's last Friday. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna keep a closer eye on him when he's at the baseball office of the future. Oh, sounds good. Well, good luck, Coach. It, All right, Coach yes, Scott Berry, everybody. Hey, guess what? What's that? We got two conference champions in basketball, guys. That's right. That's what we're gonna talk about next. Hang on. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome back to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. I want to thank uh, baseball coach Scott Berry 
great analysis, I think, of what occurred over the weekend. And Kelly, you're a baseball coach. You gotta you gotta get hits when you have the bases loaded, when you have two guys on, two outs. That's when you've gotta have a base hit. And if you do that forty eight times, leave off forty eight runners in three games, chances are you're not going to be successful. If, if you don't know anything about baseball, if you're just a casual fan and you want to look at one statistic or whatever, one or two statistics, one would be obviously left on base. The other one would be the number of walks that you allowed. Well, Southern Miss's numbers were were gaudy on both of those right. sides. They, they right. walked too many people on the other team, and they didn't get enough guys uh, in. You know. All right, I'm going to give you a chance to defend yourself. People are criticizing you, saying this is still a really talented pitching set. Now, and I know that on social media, people are saying that, you know, that uh, that's, that Eagle Hour said that. And look, I stand by what I said. The, the talent that's on this team, um, I said by the end of the season, if all, you know, barring injury or things like that, I think they have, I think they have a chance to be an outstanding, uh, you know, maybe even better then, and I look, I, I know that's going to raise some eyebrows, but I still stand by. There's some talented, quality player You're pitchers. Always, always causing trouble. <laughs> it's just, folks, this is an opinion <laughs> show, right? Always causing trouble, Santa. I still stand by what I said. Giving away tickets. I'll, we won't get it. <laughs> right. Uh, two, <laughs> two championship basketball teams, we're proud to say, the uh, men and women. Uh, Basketball teams for the University of Southern Mississippi will be going to Pensacola this weekend. The ladies uh, will play at 5.30 Friday afternoon. The men will play at 11.30 Saturday, both uh, coming off regular season uh, conference championships, we're very happy to say, and uh, hoping to go down and win the tournament. It is a fantastic place to go. I just regret that the baseball tournaments that we used to have down there involving Southern Miss are, are no longer in effect, uh, Darren Schaefer is the CEO of Visit Pensacola. And before we talk about the basketball tournaments, Darren, what can you do to get that baseball tournament going back again that uh, Southern Miss used to participate in every year? You know, I'm going to get on that right after this. Um, <laughs> that probably happened before my time. I've only been in Pensacola now about three years. So uh, yeah, it's about happy, right. yeah. happy to try to bring that back. Oh, it was great. That one year it was Auburn, Troy, Southern Miss, Ohio State. The next year it was uh, Southern Miss and Michigan State. And um, I want to say South Alabama. It was, it was a great event. But we're looking forward to the basketball tournament. We know you have a great facility down there. Uh, there, let people know what they're in store for, the few that may be not familiar with Pensacola. Well, yeah, uh, we're excited. This will be the third year that the championships are being held in Pensacola. And Pensacola is on the, on the Gulf Coast. So, we, you know, we've got these great beaches, and it's that sugar white sand and uh, blue-green water. Uh, the beaches are great, but it's everything else you can do in the community that really – makes for a complete experience. And so the tournament's going to be right in downtown Pensacola. So uh, we highly encourage people to use the, the free trolley system that takes you back and forth between the Bay Center. And uh, we've got, we're calling them anchor bars downtown, but it'll drop you off in different places you can explore. Um, and so, yeah, we've got games starting tomorrow all the way through Monday. It'll be the championship game. So, Darren, if, if Southern Miss fans are going to come down there and paint Pensacola black and gold uh, with two very successful teams we have, let me ask you this. If we come down there, will we be allowed to spend some money in Pensacola? 
Yes, you will. <laughs> we will allow that. Uh, and I think we'll give you all kinds of opportunities to do that. Um, you know, definitely take advantage of the, uh, the fresh Gulf Coast seafood, uh, some great restaurants. Uh, no matter where you're staying in the Pensacola area or throughout the county, uh, there, there are a lot of options for that. And um, what we're encouraging people to come is on Saturday, you know, of course, is when uh, the men's game is. That's also the Fans Fest. So that's from 9 to 1 o'clock, and that's outside of the Bay Center. And uh, and then at 1 o'clock, we have what we call the Dribble Drive. So I, that's the thing I want to come and watch specifically because we're giving up 650 kids between the ages of, I think it's 4 and 12, the chance to dribble a basketball up and into the Bay Center. So that's the spectacle that I want to see, and uh, we're hoping for another year of perfect dribbling. All right, uh, Darren, one of my co-hosts here, Luke Johnson, holds the record for the most beignets in uh, two and a half minutes. He ate six giant beignets recently in a beignet eating contest we have. Uh, Will Luke be able to find any good places to eat in Pensacola? Uh, Yes, he will. Um, I would be happy to point him to uh, a number of places. Uh, the website, visitpensacola.com, is a great place to start checking out uh, where to dine in the Pensacola area. So whether you're out in Pensacola Beach, Perdido Key, downtown, you have plenty of options. Uh, we got a, a great seafood place called Joe Patty's, and uh, we have mm-hmm. a beignet uh, truck that's out there all the time. So anytime mm-hmm. he wants mm-hmm. to you know, try to beat the record, yeah. we can help him make that happen. Like and, and actually, like and actually, Darren, this is probably you guys are right on the cusp of spring break here too. So if you guys are not inundated with college students yet, you're you're getting ready to, yes. That's right. That comes a little bit later in the month, so this will be pre-spring break. Now, Darren, does the Oyster House ring a bell with you right near downtown Pensacola? A uh, big, very popular restaurant. I believe I've got that right. I may be, I may have the name not exactly right. That ring a bell with you? A couple places. There's the uh, Fish House. The Fish House. And the, the Oyster, Atlas Oyster Bar right next door to it. So that's, that's probably it. what you're thinking of. Well, let me just tell you, folks. Put that on your calendar. You can go to either one of those uh, restaurants. And, and Luke, that Joe Paddy's that he's talking about where you could get the beignets, that's like a that's like a Walmart supermarket of seafood, of fresh seafood. That they, I'm all about that. They bring Ab- the boats up behind it, clean the Ooh. fish right in the building, and sell it right there on the island. Absolutely, yeah. That that sounds really good. Got to. What what about the because uh, the the naval base, the museum, Darren? Because you know people come down, they bring their kids to watch Southern Miss basketball and need you know like a family activity to to do. That's a great place. I know probably the Blue Angels. Don't do their show till later in the month, but at the same time, that museum's pretty special as well. You know, it is. It's a great place, and uh, you know, unfortunately, access to the base has been a little restricted the last couple of years. It's something where we worked so hard to try to, to try to reopen, but there are two ways to access it. There's two different trolley services that do uh, like a guided tour that can get you on base. Uh, to see the Naval Aviation Museum. It's amazing. It was the number one attraction between New Orleans and Orlando, um, you know, prior to uh, the access being restricted. Darren, um, so Darren, there are still two ways to do that. Is there is there any data that indicates what economic impact the Sunbelt Tournament has on the Pensacola uh, economy? You know, last year it was estimated to be $2.4 million, 
and uh, we're expecting that uh, to jump quite a bit here this year with more teams uh, being in the third year. I mean, our first year really was was pretty much COVID influenced, right. and so last year was great growth, and now uh, you know that third year I think is going to be pretty special. So uh, you know the new teams are all really doing well. Of course, Southern Miss at the top in the number one seat. So congratulations to Southern Miss. Yes, we are going to win both tournaments there, and you can just go ahead and put that out of your news release right there. It'll be a clean sweep for Southern Miss. Hey, Pensacola is a wonderful place. My wife and I just love going to Pensacola, and uh, we know anybody that comes down there is going to have a good time. We appreciate you very much, Darren, sharing that information with us. Uh, you're welcome. Well, we look forward to seeing you in Pensacola here in a couple of days. All right, Darren Schaefer, everybody. He's got a good job, doesn't he? CEO visit Pensacola. Huh? <laughs> Tough oh, sell, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's really horrible. Now, now, now in, in fairness, he came from visitanchorage.com. <laughs> so he's pretty damn happy to be in Pensacola. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't been, and I know most of you probably have, downtown Pensacola, the old historic part of Pensacola, which is right before, you know, from there you can go over the bridge into Pensacola Beach. Super cool place downtown with lots of good places to eat. The basketball arena is right down there in that area. There could not be a better place to have the tournament. Only thing, and we've suggested this to the new commissioner, and I'm sure he listens to every word we say. Doesn't he, Kelly? Oh, okay. our our new commissioner. He's been Correct. commissioner for a little. Correct. Bit. Uh, move the baseball tournament to Pensacola as well, and play at the Wahoo Stadium right there on the bay. Fabulous. Well, this basketball tournament, we're going to hear from the two people piloting. Uh, the men's and Jay women's Ladner teams. Jay Ladner and Joy Lee McNellis on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. So we're really proud of both of them. And uh, Luke, uh, incredible to see what basketball accomplished this year. It really is. I mean, going into, you needed a few things to happen. You needed teams to lose. And that's what happened. ODU took care of us on Thursday and then did us the greatest favor in the world, knocked Marshall off. And, and the men, they knew that before their game ended. So it was really cool to see how how they celebrated, and then the ladies knowing that all they had to do to win to get part of that that three um, that the three game tie and and win the the championship. There will be banners celebrating this year from both teams in the top of Reed Green Coliseum in the years to come. Pretty amazing. It will be all basketball tomorrow on the Eagle Hour again. Jay Ladner joining us at the one o'clock. Joy Lee McNellis right after that. Men the one seed, women the two seed. Yes, good stuff. We're looking forward to tomorrow. We'll be right back. Top. All eyes on Pensacola this week as the men and women get ready to compete in postseason play. I don't know, guys, and, and we're going to have to get the, the history books out. I'm not sure when uh, we have both won the conference, maybe the first time in the same year. Um, I, it, it, it probably happened under Turk and James at least one one. Well, year. you know who'd well, know that would be Hacksaw. Yeah, I'm, we, sure, I'm we, sure he would. We know. need to uh, to reach. Hacksaw Jack Duggan. 
Hacksaw. And if, if not Jack Mack, Jack McDonald. Somebody will know Could it. Be. Yeah. Anyway, Eagle Hour winding up on this Monday for segment brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. Got some rain this week, so maybe some practices get rained out. DBAT has a great place to go, those indoor hitting facilities. D1 Training, great place to go uh, to work out on hey, Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Hey, Luke, I got a question for you. Um, how did the tennis team do this weekend? So I'm glad you asked. They 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 lost to the, the this is men's tennis. They lost to LSU, um, but they came back and, and beat Nichols. But there was a, a an upset. Um, two of our our guys, our, our number one men's doubles team, Dakota Bobo and Shamirul Sharil, took down a top twenty five uh, doubles opponent um, against LSU. LSU's guys were ranked twenty fourth in the country, and and they beat them. So uh, the, the men got beat um, against LSU team match-wise, but bounced back and had a good win yep. uh, against um, Nickel State. Can you say that name, Shamir Shamil Rule Sharil. He's from Malaysia. Can you say it ten times real fast? I don't have to because I've already said it correctly <laughs> twice. How about the you. name Dakota Bobo? That's just That's as cool. He's a proud Southern Miss Golden Eagle. That's right. All right, it, it, in the other sports, I know we were you know uh, disappointed this weekend with, with baseball, but – how about beach volleyball? They go 5-0 and over the weekend. They defeat Chattanooga, Spring Hill, Southeastern, and William Carey. 5-0 and um, to start the year. They will head down to Boca Raton. They'll have a tough weekend in Boca yeah, Raton for, hard, for their tournament. Uh, the Boca, March Invitational somebody brought saying. to you by, uh, by FFU. Let me interrupt you just FAU. a second. Kelly, have you seen the poster for the beach volleyball team? I have not. Go get one. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be kind of like the Farrah Fawcett poster used to be. It, Softball, twelve and one guys, twelve and one. Natalie Poole continues to uh, have the best start in a first year coach's history. They went undefeated over the weekend in the Hub City Challenge. Beat Yale twice, beat Pine Bluff, and then beat Nichols Yale. yesterday, three to one. They will take on number eleventh nationally ranked Alabama in Tuscaloosa on Wednesday. But the Lady Eagles right now twelve and one. Did you say Yale? Yeah, they beat Yale twice. Like and, the and, Ivy League Yale. And actually, yeah. and actually, there are a couple local girls from the Hattiesburg area that play for Yale. For Yale. Yeah, so it was kind of a, a, a homecoming for them. I got to talk to Coach Poole the other night. It is amazing how just the attitude and the air at the softball complex is so so much more. There's so much more levity. There's so much more relaxed the young ladies are under this new levity coaching staff they're enjoying softball again you know aren't they all supposed to be enjoying being an athlete yes but the last two years uh were not it, it wasn't the case when we had like 13 young ladies leave the program and some of them who loved softball so much that they said that they would get nauseous just coming to practice for it just was just wasn't a good environment but but now the young ladies, you can, and it, and they're responding to it on the field. They're playing well. Good for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that for yeah, sure. So uh, the the men clinched the men's basketball clinched the regular season conference championship. They defeat Texas State seventy nine to sixty nine. We'll have Jay Ladner on tomorrow to talk more about that game. The bracket is set. Southern Miss uh, will play Saturday, March fourth at eleven thirty a.m. They will play the winner of South Alabama and Appalachian State. That game taking place. Thursday at 11.30 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. So, Golden Eagle fans, watch Thursday at 11.30. That'll determine who we play on on Saturday. Lady Eagles 
um, on the other hand, on the other side of the bracket. They've got to wait um, to see. They will play. Uh, they're the three seed, and they'll uh. they'll play the winner of. Uh, Georgia Southern and either Arkansas State and ULM. Arkansas State ULM play tomorrow at 2 p.m. And then uh, on th- on Wednesday, Georgia Southern will play the winner of that. And the Lady Eagles, as you mentioned earlier, play Friday at 5. I thought they were the two seeds. So I stand corrected. Texas State's the two. James Madison's the one. Troy's the four. You know, when you look at this men's bracket, though, you guys, and we don't want to you know put the card ahead of the horse, but uh, and I know the Eagles would like some redemption to get back at the Jags mm-hmm. after that. You know, humiliation down yeah. in, in Mobile. But right now, you could argue that Better South Al's, yeah, that South Al's playing among the best basketball of any team They're in hot. the league. Yeah, they they are hot. Uh, I, I mean, just naturally, I'll be pulling for Appalachian State. Sure, but but one thing that did happen. So obviously, we're we're dance or bust on this program. We want to win this tournament. We want to go to the NCAA. But what we should mention is. Southern Miss clinched an NIT berth should they not make the NCAA tournament because there will be an auto qualifier being a regular season conference right. champion. So it's not the silver lining. We don't want to, to talk that yet. This team still has an opportunity to win three games to go to the NCAA tournament, and that's what we want. All right, we're going to be all basketball all day tomorrow on the Eagle Hour. Jay Lander, Joy Lee McNellis, all jo- both joining us. Really look forward to that. Uh, both teams, and don't forget about the women, both teams – Men and women, great years, uh, really excited for both and looking forward to talking uh, to both coaches about this great opportunity tomorrow on the Eagle Hour. Until then, Southern Miss to the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.